Hello and welcome to the Locust and Honey podcast. We are two Reformed Southern Baptists who desire to speak the truth of the gospel to the heart of the culture. We are also proud members of the Bar Network, which stands for Biblical and Reformed Network. If you would like to support our growing podcast, you can do so several ways. One, you can leave us a comment and share our podcast on your social media. Two, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And three, you can follow the link in our show notes to find all of the other ways that you can support us and connect with us. Hebrews 10, starting in verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confessions of our hope without wavering, for he who promises is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all more as you see the day drawing near. Well, hello and welcome back to the Locust Honey Podcast. My name is Matt. And I'm Andrew. That was quick, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm... You're on it today. Well, this is episode 42 and we are excited to have you here today. We are. Um, today's going to be a hodgepodge. Song. Hodgepodge episode, episode forty-two, the Hodgepodge episode. Um, Andrew has all of the topics, and he has not shared any of them with me. So we're going to talk mm. about it and see where it goes today. But before we get into all of that, Andrew, we've got to affirm and deny some stuff. Okay. Would you like to affirm or deny first? I'll affirm. Ooh, what are you going to affirm? I'm going to affirm the um, workouts we've been doing right lately. Getting swole. Getting pumped. Getting jacked. Getting muscular. Getting shredded. Uh, we're basically a big. knife. We're basically a knife factory because we got all these cuts. That's right. So we have been working out, and we've been doing it for. A while, but we recently started doing workouts where we'll do the same stuff every day. Like it sounds weird. It sounds like it wouldn't work, <laughs> but <laughs> but really, it's been uh, it's been good because I'm starting to kind of notice changes in the my ability to do certain things um, in a good way. So nice. I've been able to um, do slightly more weight than I've been doing on different things. And I've been able to do, and we both seen an improvement in pull-ups. That's true. I did. You all uh, should have seen when we first started working out. When we tried to do, uh, what did we do? We tried to do well, hundred we push-ups. We, no, we were going to do ten. So we we're going to do a pyramid oh, that's of push-ups. Right. Yeah. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. All right. We did five of the first <laughs> set of ten, and we're like, "Whew! All okay. right, let's go home. Yep. <laughs> Call it a day." <laughs> So now we're doing pull-ups, we're doing push-ups, we're doing yeah. lots of stuff. So I would say I'm affirming uh, the improvement that's been made through 
working out. It has worked. So 2020, so I was uh, going to CrossFit, and um, all of the pull-up stuff, I could only do one pull-up <laughs> if I jumped. Mm. So uh, any of the pull-up stuff, if I wanted to RX it, I would have to do one pull-up at a time. And uh, so it was kind of cheating. But I'm now doing three to four pull-ups in a row. Without stopping. Without yeah. stopping. Which for me, that's pretty good because I'm I'm not. What's the polite way of saying I'm overweight? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say it's easier for me to do pull-ups. There you because go. Because I'm lighter. And yeah. so But I've I've been losing. I've I've lost thirty pounds so far. So it's been good. Yeah. And uh can do three pull ups four on a good day mm-hmm. in a row. Well, but my, there's a lot more. Yeah, yeah. There's more. There's more that we and and your Matt. Well, not Matt. I don't know about Max. We haven't Max in a while, but your what you're repping on different things has gone up too. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, how about today when we were doing bench and you were doing the bench, and then that lady came over and said, "Can I use that to curl?" <laughs> <laughs> no, that didn't Just happen. Kidding. But what did happen was a couple of days ago I was deadlifting yep. some weight, and this guy. <laughs> behind us was inclined bench pressing the same amount of weight that I was deadlifting, which for those of you who don't work out that much, it's more difficult to incline bench than regular bench, first of all. So you, you, you're pushing with your arms more than I can push with my legs and and then you're doing it. Your deadlift should be like your heaviest. Right. You should be able to deadlift like, well, maybe leg press your heaviest, but deadlifting is, is up there. Yeah. Uh, so that made me feel small. Now, it wasn't my max. It was my rep. But he was also, that was his rep. <laughs> yeah. so, and he was doing them slow. He was doing slow them slow. Down. And he All was right. like, he owned the weight. And I was I was struggling. Anyway, let's move on from that. <laughs> um, so that's, that'll be my affirmation. I'm enjoying working out. I'm seeing, starting to see results. And my weight has stayed the same. But it's been, I've noticed just it's a different weight. It was more... I'm losing, I would say, body fat, but I'm gaining muscle, so my right, weight's so, kind of... Yeah, so that'll be my... I'm going to throw a denial in. Okay. In your affirmation. I'm going to deny a part of your affirmation. Okay. Um, so I've my diet has been pretty dialed in lately. Mm-hmm. Um, been getting after it, going to the gym. We're going four days a week mm-hmm. uh, to the gym and then doing other things. Uh, but... So I, I know my expenditure, how many calories I burn in a day, and I'm eating 500 calories under that so that I can continually lose weight. And this week, I even went another three to 400 calories under that, and I got on the scale this How'd morning. How'd you do that, by the way? Did you fast? How'd you do what? How'd you get 900 calories? How'd you run a 900-calorie deficit? Well, so my intake is at like 2,800, hmm. and so... Uh, a couple of times this week I was eating, you know, uh, right at 2000. Yeah. And, uh, and so I've been doing that a couple of different ways. Some, uh, I'll, I'll eat in the morning. I do my protein shake and then I'll do like, uh, Starbucks has, uh, it's a egg white and turkey bacon, mm, wheat 
muffin, like egg <laughs> Mc, what is that thing called? Uh, I don't know. I've never gotten English it I know English muffin. About. Yeah, English muffin. But yeah. it's like a wheat English muffin. Mm-hmm. And so I'll get two of those and take the turkey and the egg off of the one and put that on the other. So I'm just eating the one English muffin. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that gives me uh, some carbs and protein and all that. And then uh, I'll just eat one big meal during the day. Yeah. And so that's been working out fairly well. Um, but I don't do that every day, but I'll do that some. But I've done that like three times this week. And uh, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm busting down. Because I've lost 30 pounds. And then since June, I've kind of been right here where I'm at. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, lost like four pounds the last two weeks. I was like, okay, here we go. I'm about to break down into the the next category uh, of weight. And then I got on the scale this morning and I gained four pounds. <laughs> it's like, what in the world? So It's messed up. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but I think it's muscle. Uh, I, I am still losing body fat. So mm-hmm. I just got to quit looking at the st- scale, start looking at, yeah. scale start looking at the mirror. Where, yeah, there you go. <laughs> But, Scale can be deceiving. So, yeah. So that's my denial. We've been getting after it, and I gained three pounds. <laughs> but at least it's three good pounds. That's true. Um. Okay, so that's your denial. That's my denial. That, okay, that's uh, so we're flip flopped. You gotta affirm. You gotta deny something, and then I'll affirm something. Oh, we'll oh. go out on a high. Okay, good. Yeah, good. Um. So I'm gonna deny what I've been seeing on social media lately, which has been. Politics? Um, no, <laughs> no. Oh, oh. no. Well, I, I'll deny this. The if if y'all so the commercials, man. When you get close to election day, the commercials are ridiculous. Onslaught. It's not I as mean, bad as it was for the presidential, but it's well, been, yeah. Well, it's been the, pretty rough. Well, it, it, the thing is, is like so in Georgia right now, we're also voting for our governor. So you got the governor commercials and you got the Senate commercials. Yeah. I Which, wonder if the commercials actually sway anybody. I don't know. It doesn't sway me. I mean, they spend tons of money on it. I mean, of course it doesn't. I hope, you know I would I mean? hope it wouldn't sway me. Well, but I'm yeah. saying, like, I wonder, yeah. I, I, why do they do it? Just to make everybody mad? Well, I think that, so like, I think there's a lot of stuff in politics that But, like, who's think, the person that sees the commercial and is like, oh, wow, I'm not going to vote for that guy that I was going to vote for? I think what it does <laughs> is it, Create it. I, I I wouldn't say that it's one particular commercial that you see and like a light bulb switches. Maybe it just makes people not vote. Well, or it's like okay, you know. So like the big push against Herschel Walker is like his personal life and like how he treated his wife and all this stuff. And uh, so then you you in your brain you associate him with that. If you see the commercial enough, it's like okay, Herschel Walker's the domestic Bad. abuse guy. And then you got the other side where it's like you know, Raphael Warnock is like the abortion guy and like the always votes for whatever Joe Biden wants and you see that over and over again it's like okay well Warnock's the Biden guy you know yeah it creates these stereotypes over time I think I think that's why they do it but that's why they have to do it so much you know right it's gotta Um, get in your psyche right but what I'm going to deny is I've been seeing on social media um, it's been popping up on my on my feed for some reason but like there are these people out there who have these podcasts or they have like uh well they're influencers those podcasters well it's like but like they're just they're like those jerks they're like influencers but they are 
the point of their podcast is to get men to make a lot of money yeah. and to um, be completely career driven and to treat woman, women like meat. Essentially. So, all right. So like, you're talking about on my what's that dude's like, name? That Andrew guy. Tate. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew Tate. I've seen him a lot. I've seen and not necessarily like the not necessarily Logan Paul. I don't know that he he does it, but the he'll bring on people and uh-huh. I'll get I'll see clips from and like I'll see clips from people in the Joe Rogan podcast and stuff like that. Yeah. Not that Logan Paul or Joe Rogan do this with their podcast. They mainly interview people. Yeah. But like the people they bring on will say stuff and it's like, this is just toxic. Like I would say if that would be, that would not, I wouldn't even say that's toxic masculinity because I wouldn't say that that is masculinity. Well, so I, you know I think what, I mean? what it is though is it's a pushback against the culture's uh, effeminate push. Well, yeah. Right, you know, it's like the pagan it's, pushback. It's the ungodly, yeah, yeah. It's the ungodly pushback on the feminism, effeminate mm-hmm. push to demasculate men. Right, and so then you've got people like Tate, who is the complete opposite of the feminist movement, and it's the chauvinist push. Mm-hmm. Make a lot of money, have a lot of nice cars. Let's do some fights. Let's you know all that stuff and. And just be men. Let's go right. smoke cigars and get drunk and sleep around and party and have a good time because we're men and that's what we're made to do. Right. And so people are like, well, I definitely reject this feminist push, so that's got to be the answer. Right. You know? Um, there's a guy called The Order of Man. I, I've kind of followed him for a while. But his is kind of similar. I was just listening today. Uh, but like, so what he would say is masculinity or being a man is is different uh, than being uh, male. So, like, we're genetically born male or female, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and then being a man is something earned by um, growing into it and, and acquiring certain traits and, um, you know, it, it, it's something that you have to earn the right to be a man. Mm-hmm. So what he says is the definition of a man is to protect, provide, and preside. So you protect people, you provide for people, and you preside or lead people. Uh, That could be in your community, that could be in your family, that could be, you know, whatever. Uh, And and so I would agree with all of those, but I would add pastor Mm -hmm. to that. Um, To be a man, you're a protector, a provider, you're presiding, you're leading in the community, leading in your home, all of that. But then specifically pastoring, you're spiritually leading. You're spiritually leading your wife and your kids and then those around you to look more like Christ. Mm-hmm. And if you're so, doing that, then you're going to be doing all the other stuff too. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I, I've seen, there's a lot of people talking about a lot of stuff, uh, but they're doing it without the Bible. Right. And, uh, and so like a lot of the stuff that the order man that he comes to, um, it's most of it is good, but, uh, and he even says like to be a man, there's certain things you have to have in your life. And he says, one of them is spirituality. There's gotta be some kind of spiritual. He doesn't care what it is. He says, I'm a Christian, but you know, yours can be Buddhism or new age or whatever it is. You just need some kind of spiritual element. And I'll completely reject that. Right. Um, so he's he's close on a lot, but he's uh, missing <laughs> what makes it all right. The point in, in in the first place, you know. So mm-hmm. like I listen to Other Man, 
And I, I walk away from it saying, you're coming to biblical conclusions, but you're not coming from a biblical foundation. You know, so you're seeing that there is a need for these things. Yes, but why? Do, why? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> why do we need men to be masculine? Because God made us and right. he made us to be male. And he defined what a, a man's roles are. He defined all of that stuff. And so you can't take scripture out of it. Right. It's interwoven into it because the creator created us for that purpose. And so, um, so yeah, I, I would affirm your denial yeah. where there's a lot of people that are saying a lot of good things, but coming at it from the wrong angle without the gospel or without, not just the gospel, without the Bible and the doctrines and theology that God has established in his word to be the foundation and support for it. Mm -hmm. And so you're really just laboring in vain. Right. You know, we were watching some show the other night um, and it was this couple, they've been dating and they're talking about getting married. Oh, love is blind. (laughs) Oh, so uh, to, to when we're falling asleep, she'll put that on as just background noise. But the part that I remember, this guy, he's like falls in love with this girl in a week. They don't see each other. They're in a box talking. And he's like, we're going to get married. And so then they start talking and the girl's like, um, so I do speech pathology and uh-huh. I have seen a lot of kids with Down syndrome and other diseases. If we were to get pregnant and knew that we would have a kid... Uh, I would want to abort it. Hmm. And he was like, nope, not cool with that. And she was like, well, uh, what are your thoughts on if our daughter gets raped? Could she have an abortion? He's like, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Okay. Uh, What if she sleeps around and gets pregnant and, you know, she's 17 years old in high school. Would Mm -hmm. you let her get an abortion? And he was like, well, I would let her get one. You can have one pass, you can have one abortion, and then after that, it's bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, people are saying these things. They're like, okay, abortion's bad. I, I know abortion's bad, but you get a pass. So, right. like, you can kill one kid, but if you kill more than one right. kid, At then, that it's, point, then like, it's really you can, bad. You can be yeah. a murderer. You can't be so, a serial killer. But then why are you against abortion in the first place? Right. You know? Uh, because they're not coming from it from a biblical perspective. Mm-hmm. They're not using... God's word as the basis for uh, morality. Mm-hmm. They're just using cultural norms. And, you know, I, I, I know that this is supposed to be bad um, and you're for it. So I'm kind of for it, but not really for it. You know what I mean? Like you have no anchor right. apart from God's word. And this is actually a pretty good topic, I think, a little <laughs> for our hodgepodge. Um, but that is where I would go and... <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah, man. That is where we're just right in it now. Yeah, we're just riffing. Um, This is where I would disagree with. Okay, so I think I know a lot of Christians listen to people like Ben Shapiro, and they listen to people like I do too, because I listen to what he has to say about politics. He's very good at accumulating news and presenting news. What's the British guy? Um, Or Canadian? Jordan Peterson. Peterson, right? Yeah. One of the areas where I I really really disagree with him is. He He's goes, well, yeah, that's one area. But also, in the Christian. way that he... Not because he's a Jew, but because he's not a Christian. Right. So yeah. his theology is... Right. But, but in, in that, hell. though, what, what he'll do, and this is what I think a lot of Christians have been tempted to do, particularly Christ, conservative Christians who want to um, combat the culture, 
want to fight against abortion, want to fight against, um, you know, LGBTQ agenda and all of this stuff. Well, it's more so transgender. Yeah. Like he won't say anything against the gay Republicans. Well, right, right. Well, and that's the thing is that when he is pressed, when he's pressed, he will say, I will never bring up the Bible in an argument because right. I want to, because you may not believe in the Bible. And so therefore that's an, that's a, what do they call it? A logical appeal to authority. And so circular reasoning is right. what they would say. And so I can't use that. But the problem is that you have, you, you have to start, you, that's where you've got to start. That is the source of knowledge. That is the source yes. of knowledge. And so you can't make any claims. You right. can't fight against, and I would encourage if there are any Christians out there who are, you know, listening to, listen to him as well. It's he and those, and Ed, and Jordan Peterson, they make very good arguments. They do make very good logical arguments. But the problem is that what we as Christians cannot do is then go and say, well, then I'm going to take what they say and the way that they go about all of this, that's how we need to fight the culture as Christians because yeah. it's not true. The Bible is the source, is the source yes. of knowledge and where that's where it begins. The yes. fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Right, so. exactly. Um, so knowledge is power if it's rooted in God. Right. Because he's all powerful. Right. So um, it, it's kind of like when we were talking to Brian Cole, what he was saying, where, you know, you got logos, pathos, and, oh, man, I just ethos. had it. Ethos. Yeah. And, uh, and so logos would be knowledge. It would be, you know, the word. Um, but you can't just have, you can't just say blah, 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 A plus B equals C mm-hmm. all the time. You know what I mean? So, um you know, all, I don't know. <laughs> I can't think of anything to, to support it right now. Yeah. But you, you can't just say that and then everybody's like, okay, I believe it. Right. Like you have to, you have to have that emotional connection and you have to, all that stuff too. Mm-hmm. But, um, so like with the word, the gospel is the power of God into salvation. Right. I can present the gospel to somebody, they can hear the power of God into salvation and still not believe. Right. You know, because their heart is a heart of stone. There mm-hmm. has to be that heart change, you know? And, and and so if I'm just presenting factual evidence, and this kind of goes back into what we were talking about with the whole um, Thomas Aquinas argument, mm-hmm. you know, and that whole apologetic understanding of I'm going to present the gospel in a way that logically just makes sense and it's it, it's true you know right um so like sproul who i love and he's way smarter biblically than i am um i i really he's one of my favorites mm-hmm. and i like how sproul could take deep theological truth and make that easily accessible to people who are not theologically trained you know, mm-hmm. which is kind of what I wanted to do with this podcast is right. take these deep topics and then bring them to conversations in culture so that it's easily accessible for somebody who's not given a lot of thought to it. They can start to see what we're saying and, and dive deeper into that, you know. So uh, I, I'm I'm not knocking Sproul. Uh, I love him. But that's, he he's more of that classical um, apologetics where it's, it's this philosophical, this is the truth. 
this is, you know, here it is. But where I stand and, and what you're saying too is that ultimately God's word is the source of truth. And it's true because God's word says it's true. Mm-hmm. It's not a circular reasoning argument. Um, God is the creator of all things. He revealed himself through his word. His word is the source of truth. The The beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. You know, right. so um, you have to go to scripture. You can't just show somebody that what they're thinking is illogical and your way is a more logical way. That won't save anybody. Mm-hmm. You have to go to the source of truth, right. which is God's word. And that is the power of God into salvation, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, yeah, it, it's been, so this kind of springs in since we're riffing, mm-hmm. um, what I was going to affirm has taken me down this rabbit hole. Um, so I, there's, there's a guy and his name is Nick Lavery and he is a bad dude, like a good bad dude. Okay. Like a, like a, like a good bad. Mm, like a, yeah. Like he, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's, he's, he's probably the manliest man that I know. Okay. Um, all right. So Nick, Boston guy, big Boston accent, getting in his nice. car, going to the bar. Nice. And, uh, he's like, I don't know, six, five, six, seven, somewhere in there. Big old dude. And, um, goes into the army, goes into special forces, Green Beret, and he's in, uh, he's in, <clears throat> he's in special forces. Um, in his second tour in Afghanistan, he gets his leg blown off with a uh, <clears throat> RPK, which is like this big machine gun, mm. right? He takes like five or seven shots in the leg mm. and um, ends up having to have his leg cut off. And infection, all this stuff happens. He... <laughs> So, um, when he gets shot up, uh, he, he puts tourniquet on, he's got to have three tourniquets, all this stuff, and he's bleeding out profusely. And, um, so they get him to the, the closest hospital, a little field hospital in Afghanistan. And, um, the guys there, another guy got injured, one of his buddies, his name's Nick as well. And they give him that guy's blood and give that guy his blood. So he's O positive. So he's a universal donor. So that guy's okay. The other dude's like AB negative. So it's this super rare blood type. And and it it does not go well mm-hmm. for him. His organs start shutting down, all this stuff. Um, so they they he starts coding, he's crashing, they fly him to another hospital. And they're That's like a strange thing to do. Crazy. You yeah. got a guy who's bleeding out and you take his Blood? Well, no, no, they didn't do it on purpose. Oh, 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 yeah. oh okay. So they were giving him blood transfusions yeah. because you. he'd already bled out so much. Right. So they're giving him blood, but they gave him that other guy's oh, blood okay. type, not his yeah. blood type, right? So um, so they give him the wrong blood type. Mm-hmm. His organs start shutting down, and uh, they fly him to a bigger hospital. And uh, they end up... You know, he's there for several days getting stabilized, and then they fly him out to Germany, which is like the big, nice hospital there. And um, and he's there for a while, and then they fly him to Bethesda, which is the the big VA hospital, and it's it's super nice. 
But um, so he's there for like a year. Um, they have to amputate the leg, gets infection, so it starts like anyway. So he's a, a an amputee now, and he's like, okay, I'm going back, not just back to special forces, but I'm going back to my ODA team, my direct action team, who's going to deploy and be in gunfights and all that stuff. And everybody's like, well, that's never happened. Not going to happen, bro. You know, like wow. you need to lower your standards. But so uh, he, he ends up, um, doesn't get medically discharged from the military, goes back to special forces and is like, okay, I want to go back on my ODA team. And they're like, yeah, well, you know, Let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. So he starts teaching combatives for special forces. Uh, and then he's training like a madman. Ends up uh, after like a year and a half or something, uh, they're like, okay, well, you've got to pass this. Here's these list of things. It's like this big test that you've got to do, physical tests and all that. Um, he ends up passing it and goes back to the team and redeploys uh, several times, then he becomes, uh, gets moved to a, another special forces group that's specifically a dive team. And, uh, they're like, you know, we know you can't go to dive school. So the dive school, it's the toughest school that the army's got. Like it's, it's, it's hard. Um, and, uh, they're like, we know you're not going to go to dive school, but we just need your leadership and all that on this team. He's like, well, no, I'm going, I'm going to dive school. <laughs> so he goes to dive school and passes and, you know, uh, so bad dude. Um, yeah. but he wrote a book called, uh, operation, uh, what's it called? Uh, operation secure, I think. Um, but I'm pulling him up. Yeah. Anyway, um, hold on. I'm going to have to, at 30 minutes, I got to pause it. Should have pulled this up sooner. Objective Secure. So he wrote a book called Objective Secure, and uh, it's a really good book. But uh, it's 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 not just telling his story, but it's also how he's successful and how he's accomplishing all of these different objectives and things like that. So uh, if you want to check him out on Instagram, I think it's machine Nick Machine Levery L E A V. Uh, what is it? Um, it's nick.machine.lavery, L-A-V-E-R-Y. And uh, so anyway, so he's a really cool guy. And I was listening to him. He was on the Jocko podcast. Jocko was a Navy SEAL. And um, so I started listening to several of those podcasts. And then I was listening to a guy that was on uh, DevGrew, which is – SEAL Team 6, it's like their special operations, um, like their tier one unit, and just a bunch of different stuff. But um, a lot of those guys, and this kind of, the way that this kind of tied in is 
so a lot of these guys are getting out now and they're dealing with all kinds of stuff. Their bodies are beaten up and broken down after 20 years of combat and stuff like that. And then a lot of them, their marriages are just trash and, you know, stuff like that. Um, and so, but these guys, they're giving, they're giving this advice. And so like Nick, for example, his book, it's a really good book, but a lot of the stuff that makes it good is it's biblical principles, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it's things that God's word says that we should be doing and he's just doing it, you right. know? So like self, one of the things he talked about um, is, is so in the military, after you do some kind of battle or any kind of operation, you're going to come back and then you're going to debrief. Mm-hmm. And in those times, it's going to be brutally honest, you know, like this is where we succeeded. This is where we did not pull our weight. And this is what we need to fix, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's an honest assessment of where you're at, what you can do better, what you have to do better, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, if you mess up in the military, uh, you don't see people saying, Oh, well, blame it on somebody else. You know, mm-hmm. like I know, like, so for me, when I was going through, uh, the Ranger indoctrination program to get into Ranger battalion, um, one of the things was like, if you messed up and you're like, Hey, I messed up and not going to happen again. And then you just continue without doing that same thing again. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to get in trouble like you would if you messed up. And then they came and said, what happened? And you're like, Oh, well, so-and-so caused me to mess up. Right. It's their fault, you know? Um, but you see a lot of people doing that today in America, but then also Christians, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, uh, well, you know, yeah, I'm, I know I'm supposed to follow Christ and I'm supposed to be, reading the word and be chasing after purity and all that stuff. But, you know, my <laughs> phone, my phone made me mess up you right. know? or just, you know, Satan made me mess up. There's mm-hmm. just this desire for lust mm-hmm. or this desire for, uh, self-worship or this desire, you know what I mean? Right. And, and so we like to make excuses, but the Bible says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Mm-hmm. Like we should allow scripture to be the lens that we see ourselves, because we want to see ourselves the way that God sees us. And when we do that, that causes humility and right. that causes repentance. True repentance starts with humility, this humble heart, this brokenness before the Lord, you know? Uh, but we like to blame everything else other than us. And I saw this the other day, uh, Elijah, my oldest son has been playing football and he had his championship football game. Uh, he made it to the eight U championship. And, uh, there was uh, the other team was there, and one of the parents on the other team. <laughs> so our team, uh, the the team that we played, first time we played them, we lost mm-hmm. six to nothing. Second time we played them, we beat them twenty two to nothing, and then we're playing them a third time for the championship. So we got to beat them, and we're the champions. Uh, good team, but uh, Elijah's team was would score, and then the other team would score, but would stop their two-point conversion and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elijah's team ended up winning 18 to 22, uh, but the the parent on the other team, once the tide started to shift, because like would score and then they'd score, and then would score and then they'd score. And then once the tide started to shift and and our defense started stopping them, and, um, and they scored two in a row but we stopped them both times and all that stuff. But then our defense just started shutting them down. Mm-hmm. And and the parent, he started, you know, yelling at the refs and, and this is happening and that's happening. Right. And uh, 
Tiff was talking about it. She was like, why, you know, why was he just blaming everybody and stuff like that? Well, because it's easier to say it's the ref's fault than that other team's better than our team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Um, we don't want to honestly self-assess where we're at. Uh, mm-hmm. We always want to have an excuse for why we're not performing at a certain level. Uh, but the Bible says that as Christians, we need to be self-assessing and and we need to know what the problem is. We need to cut that, cut it out and give that to the Lord and turn from it. That's mm-hmm. what repentance is. You know, it's saying, God, I know that this is a stronghold in my life. I want to cut it out of my life and I want to turn from it and turn to you, right. you know? And so uh, anyway, long story short, a lot of what he was saying was really good and and he's taking it from a military perspective, but really it's all based on God's word, mm-hmm. you know? But he's saying it without God's word. right? And so like, I just wish that I could have a conversation with him mm-hmm. and be like, hey, like, let's look at, because a lot of those guys, they're, they're some of them might affirm, you know, that there is a God, uh, but they're, they're not, they're not following Christ. Right. Um, then I was listening to another one, the, the dev grew guy, the guy that's in the SEAL team, uh, SEAL team six, a, a big thing with special operations vets that have sustained a lot of head trauma and specifically like, TBIs from explosions and stuff like that, they're getting into um, hallucinogenics. Hmm. And uh, and so they're going off to like Belize and different places and they're, they're taking these hallucinogenics and having this like ceremonial ritual thing. And then they leave coming like talking about how they're connected to the earth like never before. It's this transcendent thing. You know, they, they're... Uh, Anyway, so a lot of guys are doing that, and a lot of guys are pushing it. A lot of the big special operations guys that that are out are are pushing how this is the most helpful thing for TBIs and PTSD and all that stuff. Um, but like, <laughs> I, I wish I could again mm-hmm. have a conversation with them, you know. Um, so that has led me down the the path of trying to figure out okay how can i start influencing these guys and and so i don't have an answer to that but i'm maybe something coming soon i'm working yeah. through it and and i would like i would like to figure out a way uh to to do that um whether it's veterans or uh police department you know that mm-hmm. kind of thing so anyway uh yeah that's well, my affirmation, which ties into our conversation though. Yeah, it does. A lot of guys, you know, and so to tie it all back into what we were talking about though, like there are a lot of people that are speaking out. So like you got Tom McDonald, the the rapper and, mm-hmm. um, and his whole thing is, and he's been big for several years now because he's quote unquote, he's saying what everybody's feeling, right? you know, and he's this, uh, I mean, he talks about, transgender he talks about abortion he talks about shots he talks about the government he talks about all kinds of stuff right and so a lot of people are are flocking to him and they're like man yeah this is what we needed and and i'm not saying like what he's saying is wrong Mm -hmm. uh a lot of what he's saying is good um it's true um but it's it's apart from scripture so it has no foundation. Right. You know what I mean? It's just his opinion 
at that point. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, um, Christians don't need to flock to those people. We need to be flocking to God's word. Right. Because that is, and this goes back to Ephesians 4, like there are all kinds of waves and there are all kinds of winds of doctrine that are coming and pounding all sides. Mm-hmm. And some people are speaking truth, but they're not speaking truth standing on God's word. They're in the shifting sands. Right. And they're eventually going to be eroded because they have no foundation to stand on. Mm-hmm. So like that guy on the show that's saying, you know, one abortion's okay, but then two, three, four, that's bad. Well, why? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. Why is that one? And, and I think the girl said that. She's like, so so one's okay. Like, what's the limit? What makes what makes the second one bad and the first one's okay? Mm-hmm. You know? And he's like, oh, I don't know. Let's move on. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? Because really, <laughs> it, like, it, it would be like for me yeah. to say, okay, you can kill one person because you're angry, angry with them in your life. Mm-hmm. But if you do it twice, I'm going to find you guilty of murder. Right. Well, how? Right. Why was I not guilty the first time? That's unjust. You know what I mean? Uh, and so, yeah, that's just what I hope that we provide is a consistent biblical understanding of truth that deals with the current cultural issues and topics. Um but that it is founded on God's word because that is the rock and that will stand whatever trials come, whether it's transgenderism or abortion or vaccines or social justice or critical race theory or blah, blah, blah. All Mm -hmm. the stuff that's coming in the future that we don't even know about. You know what I mean? Like God's word speaks to all of it and it is our source of wisdom. You know, mm-hmm. so, um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of my, uh, take on all of this. Well, with that being said, I think that that would be a good, I don't know how much time we've got, how long we've we been going? 40 minutes. 40 minutes. Yeah. I think that'd be a good segue into the other topic of discussion. Let's hear it. Um, so... I was listening to the podcast. Is recently. it a good segue though? If you say that it's a good segue, I don't know. Like I it's feel a like question. a good segue would just naturally happen. Yeah. Well, it's a mediocre segue. It's it's, it's a, enough of it's a segue. A, a to forced like, good segue. Right. Yeah. So on the forced, what? Let's try it without. Okay. Saying we're segueing. All right. All right. Um, we are here to present a biblical view <laughs> to the culture. You know True. who else True wants false. to present a biblical view to various cultures around the world? Who? Missionaries. Oh, that is true. They do. That's right. So, um, I was listening to a podcast late, uh, recently. I was about to say lately. That wouldn't make sense. Um, I lately was and, recent, recently listening to a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, this podcast, they were talking about how missionaries are often taught to go so by missionaries what do you mean uh specifically speaking of overseas missions international missionaries okay um but i think it does happen in, in domestically as well but um they're taught to go and share the gospel and give uh, a gospel presentation to every tribe tongue and nation so that 
every tribe, tongue, and nation can hear the gospel presented and has an opportunity to profess faith in Christ. Um, And once that happens, Christ will return. And so the motivation to do that is to go and share the gospel so that we can usher in Christ's kingdom sooner. Yeah. Now, well, so just to clarify though, so that's not like the definition of all missionaries. Right, 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 right. But that's that's what's been happening. That is a push. As of late. Yes. Yeah. So when I went to school initially, my, like my my initial degree was in missions, messiology. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I then got um, a theology, went to school for theology after. But initially I was going to be a missionary. Like that was my jam. And, uh, so went to school, did the messiology thing. And so like what you're talking about is it wasn't like the driving force. The driving force was to reach people with the gospel that had never heard the gospel, mm-hmm. right? So like the driving force was salvation um, and all of that. But uh, one of the one of the big proponents... An, that I remember during all of that was David Platt. Um, and it's like, that was kind of the thing is, um, we want to reach all of the nations with the gospel. And I don't remember if he specifically was saying it, but I know a lot of talk when I was going through the missions program was, or at least one of the supporting reasons was, once every nation, tribe, and tongue hears the gospel and has the opportunity for salvation, then the Lord's going to return. Right. And so what are we waiting for? You know? Right. And, and so I, I've, I heard David Platt give, whether he was talking at, like he would go to different seminaries and, and do their chapels. But I mean, he was even talking about that there where it was like, you know, uh, we need to be, this needs to be we want to see this happen in our generation, in our lifetime. Right. We want to reach all people with the gospel so that everybody's had the opportunity to hear and believe. Therefore, Christ can return. Because that's the way it was put is the last thing that we're waiting on before the return of Christ is all people to hear. Yeah. You know, all nations haven't been reached yet. And so that's what we want to do is, so then it became, the push became reaching unreached people groups, you know, uh, and that was where all of the energy and all the efforts went was sending people to unreached people groups uh, mm-hmm. for that purpose. So go ahead. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to find, I think it is uh, Matthew 24. So uh, Matthew 24, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago the, in the Olivet Discourse. Um where that's coming from is Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's talking about signs of the end of the age. Um, so the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will all these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Um, and so Jesus answered, um, see that no one leads you astray for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will lead many astray. And you will hear of, hear of wars and rumors of wars. You will uh, see that you are not alarmed for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you 
uh, up to tribulation and put you to death, and uh, you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold, but one, who, but the one who endures uh, to the end will be saved. And the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So what that's coming from is everyone is saying, okay, all of these other things have happened, right? Right. Um, all of these other things have clearly happened. And so obviously what we're waiting on is that last thing. And then, so verse 14, and, the, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Yeah. Um, so that's just kind of a reference point of where people are coming from when they, when they talk about that. Um, it struck me because I, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't go to school for missions or anything like that, but um, it seems to me that the fruits of that, similar to what we were talking about with dispensationalism as a whole, it seems to me that the fruits of that are, I wouldn't say anti-Great Commission, but they are not necessarily what the Great Commission is calling us to. Yeah. Because what you get is... You get well. What nations you get is who end up. You get a mission movement that looks like the American Church in the '90s and 2000s. Right. That revivalistic walk an aisle, say a prayer, move on to the next person, get them mm-hmm. to walk an aisle, say a prayer. Right. You know, and so like what we called them was rice Christians. Uh, you get rice Christians, and so what a rice what a rice Christian is is a person, so they would go to these uh, places where people had not heard the gospel. And um, whether it's like Indonesia or wherever. Um, And what they would do is they would say, okay, so this is like 90s, early 2000s. And there's a a movie called The Jesus Film and they translated it in a whole bunch of different uh, languages. So what they would do is they would say, if you come and sit and watch this movie, then we're going to give you a bag of rice. Mm-hmm. Everybody that comes, you know, that get the word out. Um, hey, on Thursday, the missionaries are coming in and they're going to set up this movie and anybody that comes and watches it at the end, you get a bag of rice. So people will come, they will watch the movie. All right, who watched this and wants to give their life to Christ? Everybody would raise their hand. And then they all get their bag of rice and go home. You yeah. know, and so then you got missionaries that are saying, we're having, you know, this crazy amount of conversions and uh, you're like, wow, the church is, is it's growing. Mm -hmm. And, but then you look five years later, 10 years later at the amount of actual believers that are there. There's not many, Mm -hmm. you know? So it was, uh, that's what it was. You're rice Christians. And I remember um, this is kind of one of the things that I, um, this is kind of one of the things that I, uh, kind of started to question as a uh, with my eschatology back in college when I was really questioning a lot of the stuff that I believed, quite frankly. But so your um, eschatological view, right? Mm. And it was it, so we would. I was involved in a campus ministry, 
And we'd have missionaries come and they'd tell us their stories and they'd talk about why they got into missions and they'd talk about, or, or we'd go to the Confluence Conference, you know, and that's a, the big push there is send me now. The big push yeah. is missions. It's, and so the reasoning in a lot of that had to do with this. It had to do with, you know, we want to um, make sure every tribe, tongue, and nation knows or has a chance to hear the gospel because then Christ will come back. And so we're really on the front lines of ushering in the kingdom. And so the spear, the tip of the spear. Right. And so um, when I thought through that, because I was thinking, okay, now I'm somebody who wants to go into ministry. I felt that call in my life in college. Um, I felt that I had a, desire to share the gospel and a desire to work through theological things with people and a desire to lead worship and a desire to do all this stuff. I was thinking, okay, am I wasting my time then? If if missionaries overseas are the ones who are really ushering in the kingdom, well, then- that's, Yeah, that's, that was you know, me. That's why I went into the mission program. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like my, my thoughts were- um, and, and so I'm not saying any, like there are people that are called to foreign missions. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So that's not yeah. what I'm saying. And it's something but, that we need. It's but something for that's me, needed. Yeah. So like my idea was, okay, I want to be like Paul. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul would go and plant a church somewhere and he was there for a while. And then he'd go to another country and plant a church there, there for a while. And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, that was my idea. Like, I want to be the tip of the spear. I want to be the one engaging darkness with light. Right. Um, because I feel like that's how God's always made me, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and being in the Rangers, like, I, that was kind of what we were. We were um, an elite unit, mm-hmm. you know? And the first so, ones in. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so that was kind of my mentality is like, okay, that's what I want to do for the kingdom. You know, and uh, so that's why I went uh, to missions, and I specifically went to be a missionary in a Muslim country. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I was I was taking uh, my when I was doing my missions degree, I was taking uh, seminary level classes in um, for like Islamic stuff, mm-hmm. uh, learning what they believe, why they believe it, all that stuff. Um, I, anyway, I went on two mission trips to Iraq. Uh, second time I took my wife and we had just got married. And the the first year we were engaged, I went. Second year I brought her because we, um, I had been talking to the missionary family that was there and we were going to come on and be missionaries there as well. So I brought her to make sure everybody meshed and we all desired the same thing. So we left there and we we're like, okay, as soon as I graduate, we're, we're moving to Iraq and we're going to be missionaries. The family that was there ended up getting, uh, the wife got sick, uh, got ALS and she ended up passing away. Mm. They moved back to the States. Uh, he and his two girls live in Oklahoma now, but we we're like, okay, well the Lord closed that door. Um, and, and then it was not too long after that, that the Lord started burdening me for the American church, mm-hmm. you know? And this is like 2015 um, when everything was still seemingly 
stable. Normal. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was probably even before that. It's like 2013, 14. I feel like, um, yeah, I feel like 2015, <clears throat> 2014, 2015 is when things started to really. Yeah. And, and so then I'm like, okay, well, I want to, I want to start pouring into the American church. Mm-hmm. And now you look at where we're at and like, um, there are denominations in Africa that are sending missionaries to the United States, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so anyway, uh, but that was, that was my reasoning. That was, I, I went to a confluence conference, um, not too long after I got saved. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. Uh, but then the Lord kind of, he used all of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I've been all over the place. I've been in Amsterdam, Thailand, Budapest, uh, Romania, um, Zimbabwe, South A- South Africa, um, where else? I don't know. There's other places that I'm, Iraq, Turkey, um, lots of places on mission trips. And uh, so the Lord's used all of that and he's used all of those experiences, you know, sitting down with an imam in Iraq, sitting down with a, a Buddhist priest in a temple in Thailand, sitting down with an atheist at a coffee shop in Amsterdam, mm-hmm. you know, um, the Lord's definitely used all of that. But, uh, but ultimately my, my call was to pour into a local body of believers and seeing the value and worth in that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, one thing, so Paul Washer, um, one thing that he said that stuck with me, he said, there's a lot of people today that are jostling for positions of prominence on stages. Um, but he said, really, what we should all be fighting for is is uh, to, to go somewhere where nobody knows who we are, nobody knows our name, and, and pour into people. And when we die, two people know who we are. Satan, because he hates us <laughs> with all the progress we've made there. And then God, because he's proud of us for being faithful to what he's called us to do, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, so, you know, that's that's kind of what I'm trying to do is just plot it out where God's put me and and dig into a local body of believers and just love them and pour scripture over them and encourage them and disciple them to be disciples that make disciples. Right. You know what I mean? And that's teach them how to be biblical uh, students or biblical children or biblical parents or biblical employees or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like let's take the gospel and allow that to in, infiltrate every aspect of our life, whether it's our jobs, whether it's politics, whether it's our marriages, whether it's our parenting style, whether it's, you know what I mean? All right. that stuff. Let's take the God's word and allow that to impact all of these areas of life. Yeah. And that's how we change culture. Right. You know, and is, ultimately that's what the great Commission's calling us to right. is teaching the nation, not just to baptize them in the name of the father, son of the Holy spirit, but teaching them to obey all that I right. commanded. So there's a, and that is, that's something that you, we, the reason why you've got tribes in Africa sending missionaries here is not because the American church has not, heard the gospel is because we're not obeying. We're not obeying. Right. We're a culture and a nation that's not obeying all that Christ has commanded. Our, our culture has been overrun with secular thought. Right. Yeah. 
And so um, I just think that there's just a lot of theological implications in there. And I think that one of the reasons why the American church is in the state that it's in is not, but I'm not saying it's because of the missions push. I'm saying that what I think has happened is you've got, it is, I think that what it has helped do in a way is enable churches to be like what we talk about as far as ostriches being put in their head in the sand because yeah. they think, well, someone's called to that. Someone else is called to that. I haven't been called to that. Right. And so they, we're going to send money and fund them, which is great. We're going to send money and fund them, which again is a good thing. Um, but but then they can do that over there, and then I'll just sit here and wait. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I, the church growing up, I was in. I mean, I'm not saying that they were like that, but we had a family that we supported, and it was like that was that was the big thing was to send money and support them, and that is how we contributed right. to the Great Commission, as opposed to planting churches, planting churches, that plant churches, right? Yeah, you know. Um, so yeah, those are kind of that was a well, and I, this you can really tie it all back into our revivalism mm-hmm. episode. Um, that whole push is what spurred on the whole missions push in the way that it was pushed, right? Right. So missions in and of itself, reaching other people groups with the truth of the gospel, I'm all for that, right? You know. Um, but the missions push of the 90s, 2000s, 2010s was more revivalism than it was biblical. Mm-hmm. And and so what you had was a big focus on the Great Commission, but a big focus on go, therefore, and make disciples. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the the emphasis was on go. In fact, and then you, you'd get slogans where the it would literally stop. Right, you'd, you'd, the verse would be, yes. they'd take either go or they'd say, go and make disciples and then that'd be yeah. it. The rest right. of the verse would be cut off. Well, but that was the push yeah. is to go and go. Yeah. Um, the focus was on go, not the making disciples and teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. Right. You know? And, but that was the push here. That mm-hmm. was the push in the States in church. Mm-hmm. It was to get a bunch of people to walk the aisle and say a prayer and then keep looking for more people. That's revivalism, right. you know? Uh, and that's what I'm talking about. That's what the push was. It wasn't on discipling people and teaching them to obey to the point that it infiltrates all of life and all of culture, mm-hmm. you know? And so, but that's what biblical Christianity does. It infiltrates our jobs. It infiltrates our governments. It infiltrates all aspects of life because we are taking God's word and we're living it out and we're applying it to everything, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which is why in the last episode when I was talking about like Kuiper, um, I really like Abraham Kuiper mm-hmm. uh, because that's what he did is he took God's word and he applied it to everything. Right. You know, God's word is the truth. It is the source of knowledge. It is the source of truth. How does it deal with politics? How does it deal with all of these different things, justice and uh, government and economics and all of the, all of these aspects of life. How does God's word deal with all of that? Because it does, you know? Mm -hmm. So, uh, but that, that whole missions push was birthed out of that. Yeah. And, and that's when you had like YWAM and all of these other things where it's the emphasis is on going but they're theologically 
unsound. Right. You know, so what are we going and doing? Mm-hmm. You know, one of the books that I read, I wish I knew which book it was, but one of the things the guy said, uh, he said, the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. And basically what he was saying is God's not going to call you to go and do something somewhere else that you're not already doing where he's planted you. Right. You know? Um, so the way that I, I see missions biblically is a local church is raising up other people to plant more churches. And some of those are going to be um, semi-local to you. And some of those are going to be in areas that need a biblical church planted there, mm-hmm. you know, and they're strategically pulling people together that can go and reach those people and establish a church that is going to be thriving in those communities. So if it's foreign, then what you're trying to do is you're trying to raise up local people to take ownership of that church, just what Paul did, Mm -hmm. you know? So I go in, I plant a church, and then I try to work myself out of a job with locals, and then, you know, then they're planting churches that are planting churches, you know what I mean? So um, I think that's a a more biblical way, rather than what it was, which is every church is going to go on a yearly mission trip, and it becomes a church vacation, Right. you know? Yeah, Um, yeah. Let's go here. We're going to paint some buildings and then we're going to go tour around and look at all the sites. Yeah. You know, I saw a funny uh, John Christ video one time where he was playing the part of a guy and his wife. They were, they were missionaries in Aruba. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and it was like, thank you for sponsoring us. They were sending like a video back to the church and they were like, We've been able to, you know, they were talking about all the stuff the they're able to do. Yeah. yeah. They were like, and then one time the lifeguard recognized my WWJD bracelet on. Right. And so I was able to tell him that that means what would Jesus do? There you go. Gospel yeah. shared. Right. Go there for <laughs> and make disciples. <laughs> it was funny. But it, yeah. And it's not that, you know, when I bring this up, it's not that I have a problem with missions. It's that it's just that single push, right? It's that push particularly that we saw. And and I guess for me, it's something that I grew up in, you know, because, well, you, I guess too. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, but, um, so. But, and that's the difference where we're coming at it is yes, go, Mm -hmm. but that's not the emphasis of the verse. Right. The emphasis is make disciples. How do you do that? By teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. Mm -hmm. So, Teaching to obey all I've commanded is how we make the disciples, and you have to go to find those disciples. Right. You know what I mean? So the emphasis isn't on going. The emphasis is on making disciples by teaching them to obey mm-hmm. all that I've commanded. Right. Christ is Lord, right? Right. Which is why the first part of that verse says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore. Mm-hmm. You know? N- no one even brings that up. Right. So. Well, Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, I like it. It's been good. I think that's a good stopping point for the day. It's a good hodgepodge. Good hodgepodge. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, We're about to step off in it in the next several episodes. Yeah. The next five, I think. Yeah. Um, There's a book that we're going to be looking at, and uh, it's uh, 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 what's it called? Hold on. I took a picture. Is this the... um... I got you. It's right here. All right, so um, 
there's, I forget what the book is actually called. Oh, uh, a biblical and theological critique of Calvinism. A biblical and theological critique of Calvinism. And so we're going to look at the first five chapters and do an episode on each chapter. Chapter one is a critique of total depravity by Adam Harwood. He was my professor at school. He was my theology professor. Guessing you want to you want to take that one. Well, I mean, we'll we'll all take. Them. Yeah, yeah. But we're just gonna talk about them. Um, so that'll be our first episode in this series. Episode two: A critique of unconditional election by Leighton Flowers. Oh, I'll take him on. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, three, a critique of limited atonement by David Allen. He was a professor at uh, Southwestern. Um, four is is God's grace irresistible? A critique of irresistible grace by Steve Lemick. Lemke, sorry, Steve Lemke. Mm-hmm. And then the fifth one is a critique of perseverance of the saints by Ken Keithley. So uh, we'll be talking about that book. We'll be talking about those chapters and our thoughts on them. So should be good. Be yeah. interesting. Um, so if you're still here, we love you guys and gals and hope that you're having a good Lord's Day. And we will see you next week. That we will. Bye-bye. <gasps> Bye-bye.